Forty chess. Yeah. Forty chess. Huh. Forty chess. Let's get it. Forty chess. Huh. Forty chess. Hey. Hey. Forty chess. This a trade show. Patreon where the trades go. Tap in and watch. That's what you came for. Ain't gotta say my name. They know my name, bro. What's good, man? We got McNutted in HEM. Always start off the show with a trade from them. You should always make sure that your trade is in. Patreon, why not be a Patreon? Know you wish you could spend every day with them. Tap in and say what you gonna say with them. Stop home and can fill up a stadium. Next time you log in, make sure that you bring a friend. We about to kick off, let the day begin. Go follow the socials. 40 Chess FF is posted. If your trade is an F, you get roasted. Go like and subscribe for the crew. Apple, Spotify, and the YouTube. You know Cooper got the wall too. Let us give you a walkthrough. 40 Chess. This is 40 Chess. Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. We got off the rails right away, but here we are. All right, let's get this shit back on the rails. We are joined by Koopa, Koopa, the legend, or as uh, those of you in the Discord know him, Mike Ross. What's up, Mike? Haven't seen you for a while. Uh, you didn't make it to the eighth season. Uh, <laughs> hope you're doing well out in Seattle, running your own law firm. <laughs> I hope everything's going well. Adam. We got Ooh. Mike Ross in the building. <laughs> yeah, got the warp by himself. We got, we got. I'll tell you what, Koopa man, I'm I'm excited to get your um your input this early in the game on some warp information. What you think of it? Predictiveness, not predictiveness, whatever. But uh, you know, we we have enough data, I think, now to make some. I don't want to say uh, make too strong reactions, but to you know make some decision making if we were to make trades and things in our dynasty teams. Yeah, um, it's, it's funny that you say uh, Mike Ross uh, goes out to Seattle because that's uh, where my guy Geno Smith is. Uh, you know, even though he's getting hurt, he's going out there and still winning another football game, and that's all he needs. Unlike uh, some people, Justin Fields, they can be great for fantasy, but if they're going to lose a football game every single week, uh, you're going to be worried about whether he's going to be there uh, soon, if whether he's going to get replaced. Well, I love this too because uh, we got Koopa on here to talk about warp. Adam, do you know what day it is? We just throw this out there. Do you know what day it is? Today is the third, and you're going to listen to this on what the sixth? It's October third when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. It's Mean Girls Day, boys. <laughs> October third is Mean Girls Day, and uh, you if know you didn't know now you know. Geno Smith is kind of like uh, Fetch Koopa. Stop! Stop trying to make Fetch happen. Okay, it's not going to happen. If you don't know about Mean Girls, I'm sorry for your childhood. <laughs> it obviously wasn't as rosy as mine. Mean Girls Day. I celebrate it every year. <laughs> October 3rd, baby. <laughs> Koopa. All right, let's 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 establish some ground rules if we're going to... I mean, the people who are listening to this, they know about Warp, so we're not going to go all the way back through it. If you want to know about Warp, we got all kinds of resources. MindWarp.com, awesome resource. Probably the best resource. But we've also done a few... 4D chess podcast on it, kind of explaining it. We've had some AMAs with you on it. Uh, you talked about it with Eric on America's Game last week, so we're not going to rehash all that shit, but if we're going to look at Warp, and we're going to ask you some questions on Warp, 
First and foremost, one of the questions that actually came up in the Discord, and I think we need some clarity on it because even some longtime patrons still had some issues with it. Let's discuss the opening one, right? And this this related to Brock Purdy, but we can use it for a number of players. Someone who ranks higher in points per game than what they actually rank in generic warp. Why would that be? Like, what are the differences between looking at a player from a points per game standpoint, which we've been so conditioned to as dynasty players, redraft players, like that was the only stat we had to kind of grade players was points per game versus actually how they're performing in warp. So points per game um, is, I'll call it a naive metric for the, uh, for the way a player impacts your team. You think about it, okay, a player goes on my team, he scores points, I get that many points. Makes sense, uh, higher points per game is better. Um, but where warp really comes into play is as, uh, as you start trying to apply those points to your team, it doesn't come from a, hey, just having more points week in and week out is going to be better. Um, there are going to be some weeks where everybody that's supposed to fire fires. And all of a sudden, if you have the player that scores 15 points in that week versus 15 points the week where all the players are duds, that 15 points the week everybody's a dud is worth way more because that those points are going to be a higher percentage of the total points scored on your team that week. Um, them being a consistent player might actually cause you to win that week, whereas you're just treading water the other weeks. And so in the case of Brock Purdy, I actually went through and looked at, okay, what weeks did he do well versus not do well? And the thing that we saw was week one, um, we kind of had uh, had some struggles, and then week two, um, everything shot back up. So Brock Purdy week one ended up, I think he came out to QB 10, which was like, okay, that's pretty decent. Then week two, he was like quarterback 23 or 24 or something. Well, that drug down his points per game a tiny bit. But what happened was everybody else did so well that he actually didn't get any warp value for that week because he was just so poor compared to everyone else. So he kind of missed almost an entire week, even if you had played him. Whereas points per game, his points were still very close. It didn't adjust his points per game week over week. So it's like he maintained, and uh, weeks three and week four, he he maintained uh, he maintained a, a decent amount uh, of points and also where he where he fell in. But by missing that week two for warp, that's what's actually caused him to fall down the rankings a decent amount because he's not getting that value to your team. And that's where I say points per game is that naive metric where it you don't see the context around points per game. Warp is adding some context, and that context is how is the rest of the league doing that week. And so adding in that little bit of context in, into the statistic is what makes it so that way you can have some players that are going to be way worse. And then on the flip side, you might actually have some players that do way better. Um, if they're scoring points in the right weeks where maybe that those are the weeks that you really need points, they're going to get a higher warp than maybe their points per game would seem to indicate. 
I think that was probably the big one. And I, I put a little bit in a discord while I was actually supposed to be doing work today, but just didn't really care. <laughs> that is you doing work today. You know? That is me do. I was actually doing work. Uh, but like some of the things is like week one, just to, to illustrate it, right. And this is going off of fantasy pros, generic points. You talked about Brock Purdy week one and points per game, uh, you know, points for the week 10th, right. He scored 16.8 fantasy points. 11 was 16.2, 12, 16.1, Baker 16 at 13, Derek Carr 15.6, Fields 15.5, Russell Wilson 15.2. Not a lot of fall off from 16.8 to to 15.2. And that doesn't factor in all the people who are above him, right? So it's just, it's it's an average week, right? It's just, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't anything that was going to help you get a significant advantage over your league mates. You look at week two, like you said, not a very good week for him. Negative warp, almost, right? Pretty damn close as far as a warp's concerned to being a negative warp player. Fourteen point seven fantasy points, QB twenty four, right? Really, the simplest way I can look at it because I'm pretty, I'm I'm a pretty big idiot. I don't care if you're RB ten, quarterback ten, wide receiver ten. Like that's a nice number that we looked at in the past. But if everybody around you is scoring almost the exact same, you didn't stand out versus anybody. Like, Warp is definitely telling you spikes and differences in a week-to-week game. Listen, points per game is fucking fine if you look at it. If you want to rank players on points per game through, from, from a underdog best ball perspective where total points are, are added up for the entire year, right? Maybe you can get a little bit of an edge on a points-per-game basis there because it's more consistent. But fantasy football... The best ball leagues that we actually play in, the dynasty best ball leagues, the 40-some fucking sleeper leagues I have, what are they? They're head-to-head on a weekly matchup. And me outperforming or getting wins, like my player, my quarterback, getting more points than Adam's quarterback means everything. means everything to my chances to winning that week. So if I've got a guy who may may score five fantasy points this week, but next week when I play Adam, his quarterback is Brock Purdy, who's – average in 10th place 11th place 12th place that is nice 16.8 fantasy points per game kind of similar to everybody else but i got that guy like josh allen who goes off for 39 points you don't think the warp value is going to be that much higher going like man adam could have had two brock purdies and it wouldn't have fucking mattered he still wouldn't have matched mike for the week like that's where the warp comes in and really lets you know the differences between them so that's the the dummy explanation for me when i look at it and I think it's pretty simple if I just look at weekly finishes and then how close they are relative to everybody. The consistency is nice, but the the fact remains the reason Brock Purdy ranks so low in warp is because when he does have a good game, so does everybody else. <laughs> when he has a really bad game, the really good players are not having bad games, and he has been separated from himself. So it's not a Brock Purdy hate thing. It's just saying that even though that the points per game may look good, all of a sudden, you look at it from a war perspective, and you go, "This dude's actually kind of mid to below average." And that's going to become even more impactful because, um, I mean, the it, as we're starting to get into bye weeks, week five is the first week that we have bye weeks affecting the league, and that's going to affect the floor on on warp because now all of a sudden you are missing a, a few teams each week. And that's going to make it so you're going to see, A, some of these players that are maybe outside the fringes on the running back or wide receiver are going to come up into warp relevance. Um, and you're also going to see that, hey, these quarterbacks, if 
in order for, say, the replacement player quarterback to have single-digit points, it meant we needed to have nine quarterback, not nine, eight quarterbacks that had single-digit points uh, uh, on that week. But now if we're removing four of them because there's four teams on bye, all of a sudden now you only need four of them to have uh, single-digit weeks. And that is way more likely than getting eight of them to have that. So you're going to you're going to start to see these bye weeks really come into play and especially I haven't actually looked to see what this year's bipocalypse week is but there's going to be a week where there's like six or eight teams that are on bye and that's going to be a week that anybody with a pulse that's playing is going to have a positive warp week and if that's the week that your player spikes that's going to give them a huge warp value because they're going to just have such a huge impact for your team all right, so we got a couple of them this year, right? Just speaking of it, uh, week the seven. The apocalypses. We got we got six teams on by week seven: the Panthers, the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Texans. Now that's actually important with Nico Collins, Damian Pierce, C.J. Stroud. Um, New York Jets probably not as important. You're missing Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, and I'm not gonna take Zach Wilson's uh, performance. Uh, on Zach Sunday Wilson, night the quarterback, best ball guy. <laughs> yeah. And the Titans. Uh, but the other one that we have where we also have six teams on by, and talk about just a kick right in the fucking ball sack for people who are, especially like me, I have a few 0-4 teams that are contenders, quote-unquote contenders, and I'm going to be struggling for every single win to get in the playoffs. Week 13, talk about just kicking you right in the fucking junk as you're trying to make that last push. The Ravens, the Bills, Josh Allen's down, Chicago Bears, Raiders, Minnesota Vikings, and New York Giants. A lot of heavy hitters out of that group where that contender push at the end. Uh, week 13 by Apocalypse. Thank you, Fantasy Gods, for setting that up for all of us uh, struggling contenders. Really appreciate it. It'll be fun for all those teams trying to sneak in, right? And you're realizing, oh, shit, I have three people on by and I have to get in the playoffs this game. Josh, Josh, I stuff on Nick stack. is not going to carry me. I'll tell you what, man, if you got no trade deadline, you might be able to uh, sell something. You shouldn't week 13 week 13, man. You might get a Josh Allen or a, Hey, Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson. Maybe JJ becomes available because some fucker really needs Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I, I doubt that, but maybe you never know. I, I would, I would think though, maybe you could, you could sell somebody something you've been trying to move and never can. Right? Like here, here's right. your spot start for the week. Enjoy your Zach Wilson while you're without Josh Allen. <laughs> for those that had and, had to carry Zach Wilson all year and couldn't do shit with him. And this is why uh, we were talking talk about hey, when do you push in your picks? And you you've got two two strategies for f- pushing in your picks. You either push in your picks uh, at the beginning and hope that you made the right call. Um, and it, it could be risky, but you get the advantage of having those players across the entire season, so you can get your wins now before, so you don't have to worry about week thirteen by apocalypse. But if you are somebody that's on the edge of contending, like right right now in this window is probably not the time you want to be selling your pick no. because it, because now you want to hold on to it because you need to know week twelve week going into week thirteen like hey am I going to be able to make the playoffs or not and maybe that's the point where you spend it like okay if I get a win here week thirteen. The person that I was going against, maybe they were the number one team, but they've got six of their players on by. Now all of a sudden, 
I actually have a chance to win this. You go to that team that isn't going to make it, pull a couple of those old crusties off and go in and, and make a push to make the playoffs and then hopefully continue on past then and be able to win the championship. Yep. And, uh, you know, preparation is key. Nobody was ever prepared for something and said, man, I really wish I hadn't prepped for all that. Didn't think about bye weeks or never didn't spend any time to be prepped. So I would take a look at that. I, I wanted to get back real quick to that um, discussion on warp. I think the other thing too, to, to note is there's a lot of different ways to take the information and apply it to your teams and decide what you're going to do with it. Right. But ultimately knowledge is power on this. It's, it's important that you understand exactly why the warp is having the numbers that it is. And you're understanding the difference in points per game because you know, if you're in a deep best ball league, right. And you're going to say, okay, well maybe his warp actually isn't that high, but as far as how I value him, in dynasty now this isn't even just brock Purdy. this is just a player that you're seeing that's fine just understand what they have been so far has not been impactful to, to the point that we're making earlier right if you still believe because his points per game are solid enough and they give you a good enough floor you know do what you want with it but understand that's the reason that the warp numbers are what they are and for some guys it may be a hey, they got off you know maybe there was a terrible running back or wide receiver week and that's when they went off that's going to improve their warp and vice versa yeah, it's, it's always important to make sure that a, as you're looking through, okay, what are the value of, of the different players in, in the warp market that, especially in best ball, that a, a player that's barely above replacement will be replaced automatically. So if, if you if you have somebody like like Brock, I'm going to go back to Brock Purdy. I feel like we're harping on him, but he's a good example. He's not having a spike week. He's having a week where he's scoring 18 points. And that 18-point week is nice until you realize that the guy that's going to replace him is going to be 15 points or 14 points. And if you can turn Brock Purdy into, say, two of those guys that score 14 or 15 points most week, but they but one of them has the chance to spike, now all of a sudden you you have somebody that between that little combo, you're able to get somebody that spikes higher than Brock Purdy actually gets you more points while still keeping a relatively similar floor. And so it all comes down to roster construction, how you're using warp for your league and utilizing the nuances of your league. In a lineup league, I might be a little bit more inclined to have somebody like Brock Purdy because I'd, I'm able to reliably say, hey, he's not going to have the absolute dud week. Like there is some value to in your lineup leagues, having a, a nice floor to build off of because that allows you to be able to take advantage when somebody else's team is having a bad week. But in best ball, you really want to have a lot of darts that are all capable of having that spike week. Because if, if you have a bunch of players that miss that spike week, you're still going to get some that are hitting that floor week for you. And you can build yourself a nice floor as long as you've roster constructed properly. Mike. Love it. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. Like, I really appreciate you coming on and also developing this tool in general where it makes it so easy to look at. And I just got done doing a, uh, a podcast or a show with, uh, with the executives, Cody Carpenter, Matty Kewum, 
And one of the things I pointed out, and and listen, when I go and look at warp, like it just emphasizes this shit so much more to me when we're when we're talking about it. I don't want to sound like I'm dunking on Brock Purdy too, but the other thing that I like to keep in mind when I'm looking at it is I think we can all agree, Koopa, you've you've looked at these warp sheets throughout your leagues. I know I have, I know Adam, you have, and I, I hope the the patrons are looking at them for your specific leagues, but Adam, a theme across the board right now. And Koopa, a theme not, across the board. If not, I got to do it, man. SouthHarmonFF.com forward slash warp. Go get on it. Let's go. A theme across the board is the underperformance of quarterbacks. And T-Rock hit it on a question here. The the quarterbacks have been playing dog shit <clears throat> as far as warp's concerned through the first four weeks. They literally have. We finally had a quote-unquote spike week or a good big-time performance this last week with Josh Allen going for, you know, just in general in normal scoring, 37, 36 fantasy points, right? And we're all going, fuck yeah, we needed it. Like, we needed it. But in general, the rest of the quarterbacks, not very good. When I look at warp per game or, or a warp per game for, for quarterbacks for last year, like, I get down to number three, Adam, and you get Patrick Mahomes. And I'm just looking at the, uh, the Mind Warp username, 12 by 10, 25 PPR lineup league, right? Just kind of your run-of-the-mill, start 10 lineup league where you and I will agree, like, quarterbacks mean everything, right? The, the smaller the lineups, you definitely need quarterbacks. Right. Patrick Mahomes last year, 0.174 war per game, right? Factoring out everything else eliminating the players who got injured or whatever. We're just looking at Warper Games' number three player. Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler above him, but not by a whole lot. Mm-hmm. 0.177, 0.175 respectively. Okay. Not a huge. Patrick Mahomes probably means more to you than than just about anybody else. Like you get down to Josh Allen, he was a 0.163, right? A few spots behind, but the the gap is actually fairly significant between a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen last year. And this was a year last year, Adam, where you and I all offseason when we were talking about Warp, I said to you, I, I said, well, go look at the 21 graph. Go look at the 20 graph. Go look at 2019. Like last year was kind of an aberration for quarterbacks because you had players playing bad. You had guys who were hurt. You know, you had the top four and then this massive fall off. But if you go look at all the other graphs, top eight, top 12 quarterbacks, these are the guys you want, man. This is how we're going to build our teams, lineup leagues, best ball, whatever. You want those elite quarterbacks because they're such a difference maker. Through four fucking weeks, that is not the case. You look at A-Warp per game, I got to go to page three, looking at 10 entries, meaning player number 23 is the number one quarterback in A-Warp, and that is Justin Herbert at .119 through four fucking weeks, Adam. This is almost downright petrifying at this point because – all these contender teams where I'm talking, I'm shitting my pants because I'm 1-3. I'm 0-4. This team should have been kicking people's asses left and right. It's a start nine lineup league. I had two elite studs. <laughs> like, how are you going to touch this shit? All these other positions are outperforming the quarterback position. So then if I look at it and I extrapolate it into a quarterback like Brock Purdy, who seems to be the hot topic because people want to tell me that I just have take lock or I just hate the guy, which I'm not going to lie to you. I do have he a does. little bit of both. <laughs> I do have however, a little bit of both. There's some also some truth. Ha- however, in a market of quarterbacks who are underperforming and already playing as relatively mid compared to everybody else, why would you invest or want to tout a guy who is mid amongst the mid, <laughs> right? That, that is like a double negative that does not fit the narrative. 
let's just let's talk about this for a second. I'm I'm curious, Koopa, if you've looked at this and your take on this because the size of the data is very important. So, for example, I, I'm looking at one of my leagues. We can pull up one uh, in particular if you guys want to use one league to talk with our discussions on something. But I'm just looking at it. This is a standard um, start nine lineup league. Pretty vanilla, four point passing touchdown, half point per or, uh, it's a half point per reception, and then everything else is pretty standard. In this league, right, four weeks in in 2022, you look and those those lines are basically even at the top. They're all merged. Even tight ends kind of up there. And I just think that the a lot of these quarterbacks. I'm not saying they aren't playing bad, by the way. I'm certainly a little concerned for the play for a lot of them, but. I think especially at the skill players, you know, if you ha- if you're a skill player and you have two good weeks right now, that could that could be massive in warp. Whereas all of a sudden it's week eight and you still have maybe let's say three good weeks, your warp is going to even out at those skill players quite a bit over the course of the year. So I just don't get your panties all up in a bunch, everybody on the QBs just yet. All right, I, now don't get me wrong, I'm not telling you not to be a little concerned. There's been some elite ones that haven't looked as elite as we were hoping. But I think the sample size of data is going to lend itself to the quarterbacks continuing to rise as the season goes through. And that is what has happened in previous years, is if you compare weeks one through four, you see the quarter uh, quarterbacks of a lot lower than the season-long uh, results. And it's because the quarterbacks tend to be the more consistent position, whereas the, the, the skill players tend to be more spike-induced. And one thing about Warp is that it likes consistency. So over a long stretch of time and and over a full season, if you have a player that is able to score a lot of a lot of weeks where they are an above average player, that is going to get you a lot more Warp value than somebody who is the number one player one week and then like totally missing the next. So. But going back to what Mike was saying, comparing quarterbacks from so far this season to previous seasons, in the top 30 by, by warp per game this year, we have one quarterback in the mm-hmm. top 30. If you compare that to uh, 2022, we had five. If you compare it to 2021, we had four. And our one from this year is at number 23. Number 22, the first two were number one and number three. So there is a huge difference between how the quarterbacks are performing this year. And it's kind of like what we were looking at last year where where we were like, hey, the quarterbacks are going insane. Well, what happened across the NFL last year? All of a sudden, everything changed in terms of how all the defenses were playing. They played uh, Mm -hmm. in a ton, cover two went up a ton across the league and it took the offenses a little while to figure it out except for the absolute elite quarterbacks and those guys feasted on cover two because cover two's this zone scheme that they were able to pick apart well this year um i haven't looked as much into how defenses are going across the nfl but either but there is something different between how the NFL is playing in terms of that general offense versus defense matchup, whether it's the offense has figured out the defense or the defense is look, doing a different look. Um, and 
uh, one thing I feel like I've noticed, I haven't actually gone into the data to figure this out, is that it looks like uh, rushing the football is having a little more success this year. That <laughs> I was going to touch on that at some point, so that's good. We, we're... That. We're starting to uh, we're starting to kind of see the flip side to uh, uh, the the NFL. It's it goes through cycles, and uh, and what you're what you've been seeing over the past few years is hey the passing game is getting stronger. The passing game is getting stronger. The defenses are getting faster, and so they're putting in these smaller linebackers. They're putting in an extra nickel corner instead of. A, an extra linebacker, an extra lineman. Well, what does that do? Is it opens up the running game to hey, these uh, having your offensive line bully the defense and a running back just plow forward, you're going to get more yardage that way. And so now it's going to you can start to see a shift. And so we're here, we're fantasy analysts, we aren't NFL analysts. And so this is where um, some of what should be baked into your process is rather than just looking at fantasy, just looking at the points that are being scored by players, look at what is going on around the NFL. Look at what the teams are showing you that they're attempting to do. Look at what NFL analysts are saying different teams are doing, how different teams are scheming different things. Because those sorts of things are not going to change as much on a week-to-week basis. And they're going to be much more predictive than just looking at the raw counting statistics that a player scores on a week-to-week basis. And so you take all of that, combine it together. Warp is a fantasy-based singular number that, yes, I said it has more context than points per game, but it doesn't have very much context. And so that's where it's on us as fantasy players to insert that context to use it to predict the future. And I wrote a whole article on the website about how warp is not actually that predictive. I found one scenario where it looked like you could potentially have warp be predictive, and it was when some quarterbacks split away from the rest of the pack. Well, what did we just say at the beginning of this? All the quarterbacks are the same. That's not happening. So guess what? Warp is not predictive on an individual player basis. So what you need to be doing is going elsewhere to figure out how do I predict uh, how well players are doing, whether that is following some, some NFL analysts, whether that is following some fantasy analysts that look at some, uh, some more NFL-based statistics. Um, Eric does a great job. I just wanted to shout out to the waiver wire show he does every week. Um, because he goes into some uh, some of those statistics uh, every single time, even for the depth of rosters, and uh, and so those uh, those sorts of uh, analysts and that sort of analysis is what you need to use for your fantasy team. You want to use Warp to help you understand what has happened, but you don't want to use Warp to uh, by itself to predict what is going to happen in the future. Cooper, Cooper, I love some of the points that you hit on here, and I'm, I'm going to throw out some stats. So one of the great things about your warp tool, right, and I, I think it kind of sets sets itself apart from a lot of imposters, is the fact that I can filter data not only specific to my league, but just in general, like in generality. So you're talking last year. I can I can go back and look at 2022 weeks one through four, 
right? And see where the quarterback landscape and see exactly where we are. So in that league I was talking about earlier, the Mind Warp 12 by 10 by 25 PPR lineup league, last year the number one player weeks through one through four was Lamar Jackson. And you talked about cover two and the elite quarterbacks being able to do it. Here's a trend I want you to know, right? Out of top 20 players in Warp weeks one through four last year, three of them were the quarterbacks. And here's something. I'm going to list the quarterback names off, and you guys just tell me the easy layup. What do they all have in common? Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. They're uh, statues. <laughs> it's not Freaky Friday, right? It's not opposite day, Adam. But, yes, they're all rushing quarterbacks. And some mean of the girls most, say. Yeah. Pro- prolific rushing quarterbacks. Now, now here's another one, at, uh, Koopa, you're talking about this year. And you, you, you hit on the rushing standpoint, right? If we look at warp per game, a warp per game for running backs, like j- just in general, through all skilled players, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten running backs in the top 20. Ten. Half of the top 20 in a warp per game is the running back position. Now, last year, Koopa, this is so weird that you brought this up too because Adam and I, I think maybe at one point said it, or at least I know I thought it, maybe said it on Twitter. Cover two was all the rage, right? These quarterbacks were struggling. Patrick Mahomes even was struggling with cover two and having to make himself do this check down and just take what the defense gives us. We, we see the Russian quarterbacks last year had no fucking problem. They're like, I, fuck you. You want to play cover two? I'm going to run the football. I wish you'd play cover two. <laughs> yeah, but just play cover two against me. I'm still going to get my points on the ground. Last year, I remember screaming at my TV that if defenses are going to play this too high shell, cover two bullshit, run the fucking football, and they weren't doing it in the early part of the season. Last year, running backs in the top 20, one, two, three, four. Four fucking running backs in the top 20. We have three quarterbacks and four running backs in the top 20 of a war per game last year. The rest is wide receivers. Right, We're playing in PPR leagues. It's easy to get five catches, 50 yards, fall down, and all of a sudden you had a decent fantasy week. That's all that needed to do. Quarterbacks weren't producing. Running backs weren't producing. Teams weren't running the football against cover two. I agree. This, when I look at it, when you bring up these points, gives me a little bit of pause on like being super concerned about the quarterback landscape. I'm just saying in general when I look at it and I go, man, I can't even get a quarterback in the top 20. Like this year, I can't even get one. Like we can't even get an adjustment. Like at least if you had one of those three guys last year, you're going, eh, I'm doing all right. Lamar's carrying me or, you know, because he was the number one a war per game player weeks one through four last year. I got Jalen Hurts. He's really producing. Or I got Josh Allen. We know how good he was. It, just a little bit concerning where I'm going. Justin Herbert, a guy that people were a little bit wishy-washy, still in the top eight is the only one, and he can't even crack the top 20 at this point. We have this resurgence of running backs, even though we just came off a year where everybody wrote running backs off. They're fucking dead. We don't give a shit. (laughs) Like, who cares? You don't need running backs. And then we're sitting here going, man, it would have felt really good to have Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) It would have felt really good to have Christian McCaffrey just carrying this team or that first week of Austin Eckler, who still, he's only played one game, and it was week one number one a war per you know per game player and we're waiting for him to get back you know the justin jeffersons the keenan allen's tyree kills puka nakua saquon barkley raheem mostert like 
this would feel really good if I had this kind of squad, but it was so heavily built on investment and running back at the top, which is not how we built our dynasty teams, redraft teams, whatever we did in the offseason. We built them around the quarterback position, and by far and away, it's the one that's it, it's the one that's uh, disappointing us the most outside of tight end, which we we knew was going to happen, right? A warp tight end that, life. That part actually is predictive about warp, believe it or not. Um, so there's rare pieces that are, but that would be the <laughs> tight, tight end, end position. Tight ends don't matter. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we predicted this a while ago. Koopa, I mean, he predicted, you know, to the extreme version, which even that was predictive. Um, th- the other thing too, though, I wanted to mention about to this specific point, right? A lot of good points that Koopa's bringing up here. And um, I think, though, what I'm noticing, at least, based on, like, I'm just looking at the 12 by 10 by 25, right? Just for the sake of using a universal chart. And, and this is what it feels like to me, is is the running backs, because the quarterbacks aren't playing as well, the running backs that are really hammering home great games, th- those four weeks in are what are like, whoa, the difference in the position, right? Again, to the point of warp, you look at everything from, you know, six to eight on it's, Oh, it's better, but it's not like that's going to really probably mean a whole lot to you relative to the rest of the league. Right. But if you were to have a team right now that had CMC and then let's say, you know, you had a chain sitting out there and you weren't even planning on it. Holy shit balls. That's how you end up with like the warp is taking your team to, you know, different heights. So I think though, with the running back position, this is something that we talked about um, at length in the summer. And I think if you're using the warp information, you want to be able to, when you need to, go buy running backs at the top if you have to, right? You want to buy the cheap spot starts, or if you're like, hey, man, I have a team that's built really well. Maybe the guy that has CMC dude wasn't built well, and he's ready to get off of him. Like, maybe you go ahead and you make a godfather offer to him right before the playoffs start, you know? Like, that's the thing, because I think the elite running backs – even in years when the running backs are down, still are very important to winning championships. They very so much are. Um, I mean, we're we're seeing we're seeing it, it it now that just the impact of these running backs um, on a per game basis, it, especially we were talking earlier. Hey, it's a it's a small sample size. Over the course of a full season, the quarterbacks are going to they're going to to come up. Well, what's the one thing that you have in playoffs? A small sample size. Very. So those quarterbacks are not going to be as impactful when you're talking about, I need to win two games, three games straight in order to win a championship. Having skill players and the right ones that are going to spike is going to be super important. And and the one thing that, that I'm noticing... Uh, maybe jumping uh, positions here over to wide receiver. Okay. If you look at the the top wide receivers uh, so far this year, outside of the surprise Puka Nakua and the surprise Nico Collins, everybody else that's uh, they, those are big surprises. But everyone else that we expected, hey, they're going to to do really well this year. They're up there. They're having a warp difference making seasons, usually above even the top quarterbacks in a warp per game so far. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. it, so you're talking it, what position? It, what positions are the ones that maybe you're looking at investing in 
if you're trying to hit something right now of like, hey, I need to get to get something that is going to be able to help me in that short sample size when you're when you're getting the playoffs time, it's looking like investing in that top tier wide receiver. I'm not talking the the second tier guys. I'm talking your CD Lambs. I'm talking your your Justin Jeffersons, your Jamar Chases, your Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill. Those guys that you know are going to be a wide receiver one, even with backup quarterbacks throwing them the football. Like that's uh, that's where you want to be looking at investing if you're trying to invest in something at this point in the year. Um, I feel like and when you get towards I feel like when you get towards the playoffs, you gotta. That's when you can make the switch towards the running back because that running back is more of a short-term asset. I, I feel like we need a sounder for this show because I'm about to do something that I don't really like to do ever. Uh-oh. But th- this is going to be a massive shout out to one T Rock, right? And it, he's going to get a big head and he's going to think he knows some things. But if you guys remember SouthHarmonFF.com, probably about five six weeks ago. T-Rock put out an article called Positional Volatility, talking about wide receiver scuba. And he looked at repeats and top 12s and six, just historically how it did. And I'm going to read verbatim what he wrote in this, right? The following is what I took away from the wide receiver position. Of all skill positions, wide receiver is the most consistent with a 63.3% average of top 36 repeat players over the last six seasons. Okay. Second one. Perhaps the biggest takeaway from the repeat wide receivers is how consistently we see the elite vets in the top 36. The seasoned wide receiver may very well be the most dismissed position of all in fantasy. Literally talking about Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, like all those gross-ass guys where us in Dynasty Leagues go, you're lucky to get a first for this dude. Like, this dude's fucking dust. Like, he could fall off at any given moment, and yet here we are. We're four weeks into the season. Cooper, you're talking about how consistent these wide receivers have been at the top. We have a few surprises, right? Nico Collins, Puka Nakua. But outside of that, it's the same old fucking cast of characters that we've been talking about for years. And Mr. T-Rock here, five, six weeks ago, however long it was, before the season started, wrote about it, and voila. (laughs) Voila, like fucking clockwork, smashed it out of the park. So warp, points per game, however the fuck you want to look at it, wide receivers early are definitely the investments that you want to make. I'm with you, though. Once we get to the later part of the season and we have more, hey, Jamal Williams is actually a good fucking running back. (laughs) Those are the kind of guys you can chase at a later point, but just go with what you know. The early wide receivers, the rookies that we all want to smash, the Garrett Wilsons last year, the Chris Olaves, the Justin Jefferson in his rookie year, the Garrett Wilson from this year. Like, this shit usually does not happen early. This is uh, me talking talking uh, stoically about one uh, Ohio State, Jackson Smith, and Jigbo. People are going to shit their fucking pants over the next few weeks because he's not doing anything. It happens. We know this. It's a long-term investment. Warpy's not a difference maker. He probably won't be a difference maker at all this year. You're making an investment for the future. The old crusty wide receivers, at least in the early part of the season, are what you want to go with. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the case. I think um, 
I, I was going to get try to get Koopas and Mike's, you know, obviously yours too here. I don't know that we've done a lot of this, but we also haven't had a warp tool before. So um, maybe it's time to make a new tradition. Ooh. I think what I'm looking for, because Koopa brought up a good point and, you know, it's something we've talked about for a while as far as warp should be a part of your arsenal, really, right? But it, it's it shouldn't be the end-all, be-all for how you make your decisions in Dynasty, even, even yearly for seasonal leagues. Like, now, it should be a part of your process but it shouldn't be everything so what i kind of wanted to do is through four weeks looking forward right because all this information now like see when we're in the off season all we have is past information to look off of for months and i think one of the things i'm trying to get people to realize not that they don't but to really put front of their mind is you know thinking 4d okay like get out of this looking in the past stuff because that's all we do for so long and now it's really a forward thinking game so for me i want to ask two questions that I, i'm curious if you guys have any what are your takeaways from warp essentially in a nutshell for the first four weeks and then what are you looking for and what do you how, what do you think any of this means moving forward how are you going to apply it and what are your like not necessarily predictions for a single player or something but predictions that warp how it's going to kind of shake out moving forward so I'll get started with it with a couple things that uh, have really surprised me. Um, the The first one is the the spikes of the absolute top tier running backs. So um, your Christian McCaffrey, your Raheem Mostert. Um, but if you look at a warp per game, there's somebody sitting up there at number one who hasn't been touched yet, and that's Austin Eckler. He's only played one game. Yep. But that one game was such a spike that he's still sitting up there at number one on a warp per game. And I want to see what happens when he comes back from his injury. I want to be able to see, Hey, let's see where, what he does. Let's see what Raheem Mostert does. Devon a chain is number five. You have two dolphins running backs in the top five of a warp per game. From the same team, you have two players at the same position. That's absurd. And I want to see how this shakes out. Because you are you have these top-tier guys. They are up there. They are doing an awesome thing. And that, if you look at previous years, these top-tier running backs were still below the top-tier wide receivers. But they are matching them. And two of them are exceeding them. And it's going to be really interesting to see we were talking earlier are running backs going to have a resurgence here this this might be a resurgence year for the running backs and you have to be prepared to deal with that the second thing that i want to look at is the tight end line we were talking about before the year hey tight ends don't matter outside of the top tier guys and who did we say the top tier guys were travis kelsey mark andrews and maybe tj hawkinson I was pushing for TJ Hawkinson because I really liked him. All right. Who was who are number one, two, and three tight ends right Those now? Those guys. Those guys. TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. But who's number four? Sammy motherfucker. Sam Laporta. Rookie and, tight end, stand up. Finally. And if you Finally. if you look at how the tiers are breaking out on A warp per game. In my mind, I see a top four, and then another tier of four, and then the rest. 
And so I want to be looking at, as this season goes on, we knew Kelsey and Andrews were going to do well. And they were probably pulled down a little bit because week two, they both were coming off their injuries. And so they didn't play as well. So that probably yanked down their, their warp per game some. But they're going to stay up there. I want to see, does TJ Hawkinson stay up there? Right now, the Minnesota Vikings are throwing the football. Uh, I don't know whether it's the highest rate in the league, but gosh darn, it feels like it. And the the one outlier of that top four group that we're seeing is Sam Laporta. Nobody called that a rookie tight end was going to have this much impact at, the, at this point in the season. And if we're we might be potentially staring at the absolute phenom of a tight end that comes in and just dominates the position potentially for years to come with the way that he's being used. If this stays consistent over the course of the season, over the course of of future seasons. And so that's something that we really need to watch is how does Sam Laporta match up as he's uh, as he's continually going uh, going against Mark Andrews, going against Travis Kelsey, going against EJ Hawkinson, and seeing how it it what sort of impact he has because you might be look uh, we we've been looking at hey Travis Kelsey's getting up there in age hey Mark Andrews we're like putting him at the same dynasty value uh, as Travis Kelsey because we're like yeah Kelsey's a little better but Andrews uh, it, Andrews has the youth on him. We might be staring at the future tight end number one in Dynasty in Sam Laporta if he's able to keep up with those two guys because he has like six years on them age-wise. And so that's the, that's the thing I'm looking at in the tight, tight end position is, yeah, tight ends don't matter, but if Sam Laporta very well might, and so what he you're saying is better the most. So what you're saying is everybody that thought they had Sam Laporta when they drafted Dalton Kincaid got the wrong one. Whiff. Yes. A, a, everyone and and it very well could have been that Dalton Kincaid uh, was the guy. Like for, from what from what everyone was looking at, like oh hey he's going to the Bills. It's it's gonna he he's gonna have an opportunity there, but. It looks like the Bills aren't using Dalton Kincaid like the Lions are using Sam Laporta. And whether that's because it's Dalton Kincaid and maybe he's not as prolific of a pass catcher as he thought as we thought he was and Sam Laporta is a way better pass catcher than than we thought thought he was. That that question is up in the air. I mean, it but it ultimately comes back to uh, what did I say earlier? Look at what the NFL teams are telling you. Don't necessarily look at the fantasy points. The NFL teams are telling you if you that if you're the Bills, we are not going to feed Dalton Kincaid. But the Lions are telling you we are going to feed Sam Laporta. It doesn't matter why they're trying to feed Sam Laporta. What matters is that he is getting fed. Much like it doesn't matter why Travis Kelsey is getting fed. What matters is that Travis Kelsey is getting fed. That's what makes an impact in fantasy, and that's what we need to be paying attention to. Love it, love it, Mike. What do you Adam, got? Observations so, and predictions. So, Off so of here's it. an observation for me, and something that I want to predict going forward. Now, let me preface this by the by saying 
last week's game, if you look at the snap share percentage, it probably doesn't look the most rosy. Like it is at 56%. But let me also just preface this by saying the game was a fucking absolute shit show and a blowout early. So maybe that factored into it. Everything leading up to it, this guy's playing 70% of the snaps in a plus offense. I'm not going to call it very good because it's yet to be seen if this offense can actually sustain reasonable success. But at the tight end position, Koopa talked about it. You got the big four tight ends at the top, and you have the next four. Your ass should have already been buying Hunter Henry. We told you that weeks ago. This was a guy, incredible value. Go see if some somebody's dumb enough to let you have him for a third. Right, Christian, this go get the, the receipts, per- man. I think Mike told us in the spring. It was a while ago. Go get Hunter Henry. I'm going to give you another one, and this is one I want to project for the future, and I also think is going to reasonably finish as a top eight tight end in warp per game, a warp, whatever, but also has a potential of maybe not getting to that elite four, but could be looking as the best one out of the group of the rest. And if I want to look forward, Jake Ferguson of the Cowboys, right? Currently sitting at a warp per game at tight end eight. And I can guarantee you an a warp as I'm looking at it per game, Almost nobody probably started Jake Ferguson week one. <laughs> nobody really gave a shit about Jake Ferguson week one. You must have really not cared about tight ends if you did that, right? This is a guy getting six to seven targets a game on a plus offense from Dak Prescott, an offense historically that made Dalton Schultz look really good, and now all of a sudden Dalton Schultz is just kind of an afterthought even with C.J. Stroud blowing up. I know Schultz had a fucking touchdown, but nobody, it was more like if Drew Sample had a touchdown, you're like, fuck, that could have gone to somebody else. But Jake Ferguson, an offense that uses tight ends, I know a snap share this last week is the exact same as, as Schoonmaker, but like I said, it was a blowout, so I'm not really, I'm not reading too much into it. Like, I need another week of them being in a competitive game and actually seeing Schoonmaker match him in, in tight end snap share, but up until this point, Jake Ferguson, seven targets, four targets, seven targets, seven targets. Tight end eight, eight in A-Warp. And, Adam, if you're looking at A-Warp observations, somebody that I want to plant my flag on right now for the rest of the season and make a worthy bet on, it's going to be Jake Ferguson at the tight end position. This could be this year's Jawan Johnson where it was kind of like, yeah, but. You know, we, we go into the season, yeah, but. And then every week we tell ourselves a fucking story. Yeah, We get questions and, you know, starts it show on sunday and we're like i don't mind that one it's i'd even say because you've been talking about this it's a uh it's juan johnson on a plus offense on a plus offense yep like i'm more than willing to go out and see what it costs to acquire jake ferguson right now just in the hopes that you know the tight end position as a whole might come up a little bit now that we got travis kelsey we got mark andrews firing i want that group of next guys because going and paying for those guys probably cost you two first First in a couple seconds, whatever. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get those guys. Cooper, you touched on it. The the pace Sam Laporta's on, the hype built around him. You can realistically see a case by the end of the year. We're talking about Sam Laporta dynasty tight end number one for you know the next three, four years just because of the age. Those guys are tough to get. Those guys are going to be tough to get. Who's not tough to get? Who's that next tier who could give you 80%, 75% of the production of those guys? Jake Ferguson for me. I like it. Um, Cooper, what, what are your thoughts on those those th- right there? Like, wh- What's your thoughts on Jake Ferguson right now? And I'll give you mine too. I have always been in on Jake Ferguson sneaking into the top 12. 
because we have seen how Dallas's offense works. We have seen where Dak Prescott likes to put the ball. And both of those things line up to the tight end is going to get a bunch of targets. There, he's going to catch a bunch of balls, and he's probably going to score quite a few touchdowns compared to any other tight end on any other team. It doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter who they are. We see tight ends go into Dallas. If they're the number one, they score a bunch of fantasy points, they leave Dallas, and they don't. And so I was always of the opinion that Jake Ferguson's going to sneak in and he's going to have an impact. The question was always how much of an impact. Was he going to have a a top-tier tight end season, or was it going to be kind of just squeaking into the bottom end of top 12? But regardless, if Jake Ferguson is cheap to acquire, if he's somebody that you can go out and you can get for a mostly inconsequential price, or maybe you can even get him added in as a throw-in on a larger deal, that's the sort of thing that I'm that I'm trying to do, and maybe I'll take that gamble. But as soon as you're talking, trying to do something of value, if you're trying to say, have to put an entire second round pick in a no tight end premium, a second round pick onto Jake Ferguson, that's not something that I'm willing to do. It all has to be relative. If you have a high tight end premium, okay, maybe a second round pick for Jake Ferguson is now worth it. Sure. But you have to always keep in mind what is that second round pick going to get you? Depending on your league settings, depending on what it, where your team is, what you're trying to do. Um, and so uh, Jake Ferguson's in that range where it's like, depending on the league, depending on what I'm trying to do with my team, and depending on where that other manager values him, he, he would be somebody I'd be looking to, requ- to acquire with just don't get head over heels and hear me saying, Hey, he's somebody I'm looking to acquire and just go out and pay anything. Yep. Um, man, those are, those are good guys. I like these. Um, I'll get, I'm going to give you mine and I think we've touched on it a bit, but I think for me, this is probably the biggest point that warp is showing me of prior convictions that I feel like maybe stronger on than ever. And you know, it's it's we have this long off season, right? And we're just so excited football's back. And then we get four weeks in, and and you start to make plenty of. I'm, this isn't really an overreaction discussion, but you see plenty of just everyone's so excited for football every single week. They want to talk about what's happening right now. And now we have four weeks of data, and the sample size feels like all right. Like we know we know enough about some of these offenses to like think about roles being cemented and all that. But if you look at warp. <clears throat> and when Scott and I did Mind Warp series, um, y- you saw that we talked quite a bit about, and if you look at the warp graph, you're going to see flat areas and spike uh, spike areas, right? And you're going to see with those, that's basically telling you relative to market or whatever, who's actually winning you games because you're looking at a, a steeper line versus the position that is going into your lineup. One thing I notice at least now, this could probably shift and vary depending on, you know, if you're in some of these crazy scoring leagues. Maybe you see one-offs. But by and large, if you look at positions, now re- remove the tight end discussion because for me, I either have one of the elite ones or I don't, right, in lineup leagues especially. Talking about the other three, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, the one thing that is speaking so much to me 
with my priors. My prior has always been like before bye weeks, people can do some really stupid things and they forget how much injuries happen. Even though we had a quite, you know, some, some big time injuries early in the year, there hasn't been like a shit ton of attrition yet. Right. And you haven't had any bye weeks. So what that, what is that going to do? If there's more players in the field, especially at the skill players with chances to, you know, have bigger weeks, it's going to flatten out the curve on all of it. Right. Like, there's going to be flatter. There, there's fl- The whole tier is flat. Like the whole position is flat a lot of times in certain leagues. Wide receiver. And then uh, running back outside of the very top ones like we talked about, which that is an aberration. These guys that are scoring elite running backs are ridiculous. But I think that as attrition happens and these bye weeks are happening, you are going to start to see the dividends of roster construction and warp pay off immensely. Like, I don't think people are really wrapping their heads around what that's going to do to the graph and to being rostered appropriately and having a little bit of insurance, not too much, how that's going to absolutely pay dividends for you as other teams don't and are going to get hit with attrition. Ooh. Yeah, we're about to see it this week. As I was going through, uh, set my waivers right for this week, and I also like to set my uh, preliminary, uh, preliminary lineups you know, for my lineup leagues, you know, there's only seven of them because best ball life for forever. Let's go stand up best ball players. I like to set them, you know, on the waivers, right? You got all yeah. those players in injured reserve, you know, let's just fucking, let's get these out of the way. Yep. Adam, I'm looking at this week and I'm going, Oh, why does my team look so fucking God awful and dog shit this week? Well, yeah, man. well welcome I, to the first week of my week. Yeah. I have a guess. <laughs> it's not a bipocalypse, but it's a, uh, it could be for your team, right? But but it stands up all of a sudden you're going like oh what do you mean I ain't got a wide receiver three worth of shit this week damn it <laughs> damn it I really could have used one so that stuff kind of hits hard Adam I'm gonna give you one bonus one okay that by and the it, way that was that what, the point you just made is kind of a, another thing that made me think about it so in yeah. best ball right one of the things I love about sleeper is like it kind of tells a story about maybe how the top of your 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 thing is rostered because it, right. it, it's only giving you your starter points. But, and, and if you look, unless there's a ton of disparity in certain leagues, we have that, right? But if it's a, right. a league in the last year or two, you're probably looking at guys that are all in the same 10, 15 range every single week. You get to week five, all of a sudden you're going to look at like 40, 50 points per game differences because if you're rostered right. poorly in best ball, you have three guys on by, uh-oh. But go ahead, what's the bonus? I was, I'm always up for a bonus. What's, what's the bonus? The bonus one, just just prediction f- from looking at the way the season has started, oh, looking gotcha. at looking at warp and where this player ranks, and this is somebody that it took me a long, 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 long time to warm up to. Right, Uh-oh. I, I like I like them coming out of college. Are you talking? Okay. Are you going to talk about Brock Purdy to start and end the show? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Let me just say this: it took me a long time, but having Cody on, like, I, I started taking a hard look at this guy. And that's Jaden Reed. And I mm. think Jaden Reed is going to, at least for 2023, Adam, let me say this, is going to be everything we wanted Christian Watson to be and where he was drafted at. This is a guy who has some elite numbers out the gate as a rookie. Right? We could talk about uh, JSN and the, and the struggles and how people are going to panic. I think people need to open their eyes to, to Jaden Reed a lot more. Right? We're, we're talking about a guy who's top 12 in deep targets. Right throughout throughout the year, we're talking about a guy who's 
the number one wide receiver in red zone targets. Like a 5'11 wide receiver is the number one dude in red zone. Almost targets. came down with a sick jump ball. Just, uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he came down with it, just was out of bounds. Yep. I'm not saying he's this dude because they're, they're, they're a little bit different players, and one of them is the mountaintop. But if you look at a lot of his advanced metrics, his profile is very similar to what Justin Jefferson is doing today. Not what Justin Jefferson did in his rookie year. What Justin Jefferson, the number one wide receiver in all of fucking dynasty and all of football and all of all of the world is doing today. Jaden Reed is very similar in a lot of metrics. So Jaden Reed right now, he's coming in. Oh, where the hell is he at? I was just looking about. God damn it. 38. <laughs> 38. That's why 38. we got Cooper on the show, man. You don't have to be too too concerned, you know? Ahead of Calvin Ridley, ahead of Jalen Waddell, ahead of Chris Godwin, ahead of T. Higgins, a guy I was touting all the time, Michael Thomas, Old Mainstay, DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London. Jaden Reed is a guy. I, I'm not advocating you go out and you spend a first-round pick on Jaden Reed right now, but I'm saying if somebody's out there still sleeping on Jaden Reed, even with the early season usage, or they have any concerns about Christian Watson coming back, Listen, I don't care that Christian Watson's coming back. I don't care that Romeo Dobbs just had a decent enough game on Thursday Night Football, however you want to rank it. Jaden Reed is that dude in that offense, and that's the one that I want to target. If I'm going to bet on somebody to finish better than wide receiver 38 and warp, it's going to be Jaden Reed as a rookie because I think I might be able to get top 24 production out of him by the end of the year, which would be very appealing because nobody's valuing him at wide receiver 38 prices let alone top 24. I mean, it's not a bad one. I think uh, I, I, I think in the league type specifically, um, now I'm not saying I wouldn't be interested in the lineup start nine, but it, it, there I would maybe say, not that you're not right, not even that he couldn't be good, but I may be hesitant. To, his price probably has gone up quite a bit too. I think everyone's watched and seen Jaden Reed look really good. Now to your point, if I'm in like lineup start 11 or more and I'm in a best ball league, shit, man, I bet you his market probably hasn't caught up to what he could be. I think that's a good call. Right. Right. People people write him off still in lineup. They go, oh, he's not an A-Warp wide receiver. I don't give a shit. I'm right. going to start him every single week. And that's the dude I would plug in at my wide receiver three in a heartbeat sure. and not even think twice about it. Well, I mean, even if you're in a, a shallower one, just look at like, you know, speaking of warp and roster construction – you're going to need to have a bunch of receivers. So even if he's your wide receiver four or five um, on a team like that, speaking of bye weeks, right, where you know, you're going to have bye weeks and someone's likely to get hurt on your team at some point. So I'd like to call. Koopa, any, uh, any, any last-minute um, things for you to think about or, or get to us? I'm going to give you, give you guys one more here. Now, this is not to defend the player of Brock Purdy, okay? But to the point, I wanted to touch on what we were talking about earlier. And one of the things about Brock Purdy um, I, I meant to mention in the point I was making is part of the reason he's also not been as high in points per game or been higher in points per game, but warp hasn't been is every single week, every single quarterback's been playing, right? That's not hurt. So um, now I think like I'm, this isn't a Brock Purdy thing. I'm just going to that discussion because there's quarterbacks in this range. And I think really, if you look at warp and you're using warp, to me, it's to showing you the mid-range and how you should be valuing the position. So, to Mike's point, if you can actually move, this is my assessment with Purdy or anyone there, if I, if there's actually dynasty value that's significant enough to move him, 
why not move him and get some other mid quarterback or some other mediocre quarterback, right? That's kind of the whole idea is it's showing you this. Now, if there's, if you're in a market where you can't sell a guy like that, I mean, shoot, man, there's, there's serious times where during the bye weeks and if something was to happen, like if I have Brock Purdy as my quarterback three, uh, a guy in this middle range, like I feel pretty good about that. And, and especially to the best ball point, don't write those guys off because if your roster constructed appropriate, okay, yes, to Mike's point, and, and the truth is you have two ways, there's two different ways you win in best ball in my opinion. There is the a big point and Warp tells you this, the spikes. Like if you just have enough spikes happen in a week, it's going to be hard to catch up to somebody. You win there, but a lot of times, Mike what, and uh, Koopa, what happens is someone that has that much value stored up there, <clears throat> T-Rock, you don't have the backfill, <laughs> right? Because so every time all these spikes are they're happening for you great but eventually that you know you're running on very low fumes and your gas tank's eventually typically going to run out of gas and having enough of those like you know mid quarterbacks that you don't think are all that great man there's there's weeks first of all where you don't you could have a great quarterback in warp that doesn't hit all of a sudden it might be Brock Purdy that saves your team cuz he just is middle of the pack where you have a bunch of other guys that are spiking. So I think what I will say about the mid-range is value them appropriately. You know, they're they're not going to help you win games on their own. They are going to be backfill people, and especially in best ball or even in lineup where you're just tr- looking to plug them in and kind of as a stopgap. And I think br- the reality is if you think Brock Purdy's too much more than that, you're probably overvaluing him. Yeah, and you want to be looking at these quarterbacks, especially when when they're all like this, where nobody's really standing out from the pack, of how can I make sure that I have somebody that is a part of the pack that I'm able to take the value from from the, the guy that I have who is valuable and stick that somewhere else. And right now, Brock Purdy... It, is somebody that is getting all the rage because nobody expected him to be there. And he very well might be worth the long-term value that you would have to pay for him right now. But you're also talking about the literal outside of being an undrafted player, the least valuable player in terms of investment from the team that you could have. And if he starts to if he starts to not do well, or if San Francisco just goes, hey, we know our system is so quarterback friendly that literally anybody can do it, he might be able to get dropped immediately. It's the drop of a hat. Just be like, yeah, no, Brock Purdy, you're done. That might be end of his contract. That might be um uh, that might be he gets injured and. Uh, I forget even who uh, Sam Darnold is their backup. If he gets, he has a freak injury that puts him out for four weeks and Sam Darnold comes in and he wins four weeks in a row. Are you going to be telling me that there isn't going to be another quarterback situation going on in San Francisco about who the starter is? Because that's something I could see happening. I mean, it it almost looks like it has happened year after year since Kyle Shanahan has shown up. That it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, as long as they're in there and they're playing, 
they're going to do well. And they're going to continue riding the the hot hand, which is whoever happens to be there, until the wheels fall off. And so you have to look into things like that, where, okay, what is Brock Purdy's ceiling? Brock Purdy is having, he's having good games where their team is absolutely dominating, and he's putting up 18 fantasy points. You're looking at what you want to have be your difference maker at your quarterback position is the quarterback that goes out and you're the quarterback is the one carrying the game. You have your Josh Allen going out, scoring 36 points. He's, he's putting the team on his back. You have your Patrick Mahomes who will go out and he will just find people to throw it to. He will take on a, what was it? A, a Monday night or, or Sunday night where it third and, a bajillion and then he just ran the football out right. of the pocket yep and he's the guy that is going to uh it, he is the guy that is going to go out and score you a ton of points and brock purdy doesn't have that ceiling his team is dominating and winning games with him doing very little he doesn't need to do a whole lot and so we have to consider the fact that, yeah, he might be good for the San Francisco 49ers. He might be their perfect quarterback, but he is not the perfect quarterback for your fantasy team. And where the NFL bleeds into fantasy, there is a mismatch. And that's where you can take advantage of the fact that, okay, I can take my value from Brock Purdy, put it somewhere else. Great. Get somebody that who is equivalent to to Brock Purdy in terms of uh, fantasy value, and get my advantage by upgrading at a different position where right now that difference matters. Because right now quarterback it does not matter. All the quarterbacks are flat. They're all doing the same so far. And until we see some of them start to separate, we have to treat them all as the same. Now that's not me advocating go out and sell all your top eight quarterbacks right now. And, and get the value from them because you could give the same argument that I just did for Brock Purdy for any of the other quarterbacks who, who are out there. But keep an eye on that for the course of the season. We're already talking about, hey, uh, uh, there was some di- some discussion that I, I saw in the Discord earlier today of, of a uh, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins for C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins trade. That is that is somebody who is convicted that hey there there's not a huge difference in in terms of the what is actually going to happen between uh, between these quarterbacks because we can we can see that hey Joe Joe Burrow's going to do better as the season goes on as he gets healthier but CJ Stroud versus Joe Burrow is not going to be that huge of a difference, but getting Nico Collins with the usage that he's getting over T. Higgins is the is the win that they are expecting to get out of that trade. And I just don't I don't want to advocate that you necessarily go out and do those kinds of trades right now. There you go. If you have if you have the 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 balls to go out and do that kind of trade you are relying on you being right in a huge way and that's why i'm saying you have the balls to go out and do that trade because if you it, it if you don't do that you you are playing the safe game 
And the safe game is what is going to win in fantasy most of the time. Stick to your roster construction. Stick to, hey, this is how things have gone in the past. Let's not overreact. Let's not push everything in just based off of a a couple weeks of the season. And so as we're getting into bye weeks, you're going to see, hey, we need to make sure that we aren't overreacting to the first four weeks of the season. We aren't overreacting to, hey, somebody was a difference maker in week five when there were uh, four teams on bye. We need to make sure that we are taking everything into context. And and context is key to making sure that you're making the right decisions and making safe decisions so that way you aren't blowing up your team on the wrong players. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, now, now you're starting to see it, Koopa. It's a, it's a gift and a curse, man, you know, putting a tool like the warp tool out there. Um, now people are going to say, Koopa told me. They're, they're both top ten. And, um, you know, just don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. That's, Please be, don't. that's insane, man. Like I, they may both continue to be great all year. Nico and CJ Stroud. I don't even know if then you win. <laughs> like that's just <laughs> insane. You know? Love it. Love it. I think, I think one of the biggest takeaways I have for me, and even though T-Rex in here and I just praised him, uh, I saw him make a horrible trade today where he traded away Bryce Young for Devon A-Chain. <laughs> I love A-Chain, but T-Rock, what the fuck are we doing, man? Come on. Come on, buddy. You know, it's a good way to end the show because um, we talk Let's about... Let's knock him down three bags. We, we talk about this a lot, yeah. Now, I guess the order's a little different here. Uh, Mike gave him his flowers and then shit on him. A lot of times we like to... Shit on the other him way around. Him his flowers. Yeah, but I like this. I, I kind of like shitting on him on the way out. It's what we do here at South Much better. So, uh, yeah, appreciate you hopping on, Koopa. Uh, this was a good one. Thanks, buddy. Yep. And uh, and just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, get the warp tool and play 4D chess. <laughs> get the warp tool, baby. That's going to do it. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week for another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Right at this thing. Peace. Peace. <laughs>